Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Mauda Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, we want to take a minute to talk about a revolutionary idea that our friends shared with us in February that has completely changed our lives. For those of you who know us well or have been listening to us for a while, you know how much we love to travel. Imagine having a VIP four to five star travel experience at two to three star prices. Imagine getting paid to travel. Well, all of these things have now become our reality and we can't not share it with our listeners. Now that we know what we know, we will never pay full price on travel ever again. If you're interested in joining us and millions of other people who have been traveling the world and living their dreams, just email us at hello at fatfueled.family for more info. All right. If you guys are joining us live on Facebook, this is our first time doing this. We're super excited about it. Um, we just wanted to go live and, and if this works out, then, then cool. we'll do it more often. Yeah. Um, if it's a flaming disaster, then, then we'll know. At least one, we wouldn't have known if we didn't try. So hey. one and done either way, we learned something. Yep. So, right. uh, welcome to the fat fuel family podcast. I'm your host, Danny Vega, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Mauda. How are you? Malos? I'm doing good. Now that I went to the gym, yeah. it's like every other day. She got hers in. She got hers in. I haven't gotten mine in yeah. yet. Um, so today we're joined by our buddy, Ryan Lowry, Dr. Ryan Lowry. He's the CEO of ketogenic.com, author of the ketogenic Bible, president of the applied science and performance Institute and keto PhD. His mission is to spread awareness around the ketogenic lifestyle and its many benefits beyond body composition. He earned his BS and MS in exercise physiology and exercise and nutrition science from the university of Tampa and completed his doctorate work at Concordia university in health and human performance with a focus on the effects of a well-formulated ketogenic diet and exogenous ketone supplementation on various markers of health and body composition in healthy and diseased populations. Over his career, Ryan has published over 150 papers, abstracts, and book chapters on human performance and sports nutrition, and has dedicated his life to educating the masses. Today, we'll be talking about exclusively um, about ex- uh, exogenous ketones and their various applications. Welcome to the show, our great friend, Dr. Lyon, Ryan Lowry. What's up, brother? What is up? Hey, guys. Thank you. It's an honor to be on. Honestly, I was just thinking, like, we haven't had him on. No. I, no. I was We've like, had him on the Tuesday like, like, athlete a few times. Oh, okay, okay. I was yeah. like, yeah. I was like, how, how is I know. this possible? At first, time. I was like, oh, this is, gonna, this is like his second time on. Like, no, yeah, it's a crime. Our, it's not, our, it's not Literally a year and a half. I'm it's freaking his website gave us a freaking award. And we haven't even had him on. You guys yeah. just crush yeah. it. You guys so crush it. So that's why we have to do something uber special. And uh, I'm, by the way, I'm drinking exogenous ketones right now just because I felt like, you know, I felt in the mood. I felt it was appropriate. So yeah, I've been loving those, by the way. Um, I had some earlier today. Yeah, I've been loving those for my workouts and all the things. So, well, you know, we always have to lead off with the question um, what is the most critical problem you are currently trying to solve? It's a great question. Um, honestly, I think for it's the same kind of problem that I think we've been solving since day one. It's just kind of gotten more focused. It's that with Aspy, with Kidrink.com, with everything that we do, we're really just trying to allow people 
an avenue or a roadmap to achieve their optimal performance and health. Um, like I think so many people are stuck in what they believe is normal when in actuality, like they just get complacent with like, this is how it is, whether that's someone who's trying to change their life and live 10 years longer and just wants to improve their strength or someone who has Alzheimer's that just says, you know what, I'm going to continue to forget where the keys are. And that's just how Mm -hmm. life's going to be. Like we try and push that boundary and say, that's not how it has to be. Like, how can we come up with creative alternative solutions to make you truly live your best life. I think one of the saddest things in the world is people who go to their grave and never truly come close. I don't know if anyone ever gets there, but come as close as humanly possible to the maximal potential that you've been blessed with. Yeah, man. And you know, one of the things that I love about what you guys have done from the minute I met you is that you guys have a really good way of educating people and, and translating the science into a more digestible form for all of these people, because, you know, people don't know what lipolysis is. People don't know what all these other terms are. And so you guys have just done an amazing job. Like it's definitely like for me as the guy who was like, got into keto and then all of a sudden decided I wanted to do this for a living to learn from someone like you, who's, who's done it the right way from the beginning, you guys added so much value and it was all free. And now you got your course and you got all this other stuff that you're charging for, for a good reason. But, you know, versus me, that was just like right off the bat, you know, I'm just like putting stuff out, not knowing what the plan is. So it's been awesome, man. It's been awesome to watch. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, let's start, first of all, with some background info. So when we talk about ketones, we're referring to the primary circulating fatty acid metabolites, beta hydroxybutyrate and acetoacetate. Uh, We know that in the absence of dietary carbohydrate or during fasting, the liver produces ketones. And some of the acetoacetate breaks down to the to form acetone, and then a bigger portion of acetoacetate made in the liver is picked up uh, by muscle and converted to BHB. BHB seems to play a bigger role with gene regulation, while acetoacetate may have a particular role in signaling muscle regeneration. It's been hypothesized that ketones act as signaling molecules that carry messages to various organs, tissues, and cells in response to changes in our environment. One example may be to ramp up anti-inflammatory processes to repair damage caused by stress, but I'm really interested in what you and Dr. Wilson have spoken about with respect to ketones and their relationship to anabolism. So what role would you say that ketones play in building muscle? Yeah, great question. Um, And honestly, this was the first study we ever did was looking at a ketogenic diet because a lot of times people say, hey, it's possible to gain muscle on a ketogenic diet. Everyone thought insulin was, you need insulin to be sky high in order to trigger muscle anabolism. Um, so we did, we kind of did two studies side by side to look at this. And like you mentioned, BHB is a ketone body. There's three of them. There's acetone, acetoacetate, and BHB. BHB is the one that we typically measure in blood. Um, when we're on a ketogenic diet, it's high. Most exogenous ketones, not all of them, but most of them use BHB um, when you're when you're supplementing externally. Um, so BHB, we are looking at this and in our study, what we found is we did a human study and an animal study. The human study was, we found that you were able to gain just as much muscle and lose significantly more fat mass on a well-formulated ketogenic diet. And everyone went nuts. They go, that's impossible. You don't have insulin. How the Mm -hmm. heck is this possible? So we said, okay, cool. We paired it with an animal study and we looked mechanistically at what's going on. And so we gave animals exogenous ketones. We gave them BHB, the same ketone body that produced when you're on a ketogenic diet. And we found there's this process known as muscle protein synthesis. When you give animals 
BHB, muscle protein synthesis goes up. And, and when it comes to anabolism, like you just mentioned, there's two parts to the equation. There's muscle protein synthesis and muscle protein breakdown. Well, guess what ketones work on? They work on both. Like it's crazy. So wow. they actually wow. trigger muscle protein synthesis. And if you look at studies that basically they've done studies where they've infused ketones, they've given them to animals orally. You look at the amino acids, we know the branch chain amino acids, particularly leucine, which is responsible for basically turning on the switch for muscle growth. It prevents leucine from getting broken down. So when leucine gets broken down very fast, it's kind of like the light switch gets turned off. Well, imagine ketones are kind of by that light switch, preventing that light switch from being turned off and leucine's hanging around for a little bit longer. So it's working on the anabolism part, and it's also preventing muscle protein breakdown, which is why we think there's so much potential as far as muscle tissue. Yeah. And, you know, big shout out to you guys, because you also uh, kind of similarly pointed that out when you guys did that, that um, targeted keto versus, oh, yeah. versus strict keto, yeah. where you had people, they were all, you know, bodybuilders, well-trained. And they were they, carving up, right? On the, well, yeah, the, the, on the, the targeted was carving up on the weekends and, and they were both in a deficit, but they lost the same amount of weight. But then the targeted group lost more lean body mass, while the strict keto lost pretty much mostly fat. Right. Which is exactly you can yeah. infer from that that you know they lost that that benefit that the ketones provided in in anabolism. Exactly right. They probably being in a ketotic state probably helped prevent because they were in a calorie deficit, so help prevent the muscle loss when they were in ketosis all seven days versus when they carved up and didn't have that. Yeah, I mean, and. On that note, we've seen this at this point, we've been doing, you know, we've been following a ketogenic diet for so long that we've seen that just with our own personal experience, like, especially Danny, like Danny requires <laughs> people like don't understand the way this works. Like I try to explain to them, like, like, especially women, you know, like if you want to burn fat, you have to put on muscle, like putting on muscle is the best way to run like a super hot fat burning machine, you know, just take Danny. Sometimes you can literally feel the heat coming from Danny. I'm not even joking. Like I'm like, dude, you have like an aura of like heat that just like comes off. But like Danny, you went really low once with your pro- protein. Yeah. And I mean, like he didn't lose any I gained, muscle. I gained 6.5 pounds yeah. of lean mass in a big deficit yeah. over a Keeping four month period. Yeah. And like I lost, I basically cut my body fat in half. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. He was in a, in a huge deficit. He was doing a cut and somehow managed to put on muscle. We did DEXAs and everything. Well, crazy. the crazy part about that was that with me, I, um, oh, oh man, I just totally lost my train of thought. Well, okay. So I, I only lost, I want to say 12 pounds, 12 pounds I lost, but I cut my body fat in half. So there was this six and a half pound gain of lean body mass in a deficit, which I did not expect, you know, and it's probably that protective role and that anabolic, you know, signaling that, that ketones do. Exactly. Right. In the face of like that advice of like, Oh, you can't burn fat and build muscle at the same time. Like, well, obviously (laughs) you can sometimes like under certain circumstances, I don't know how well it would work for like women with like our hormones, but even for me, like I've noticed I, I run a deficit most of the time and I don't seem to lose muscle. I, yeah, it's, it's great. Honestly. I highly recommend it. 
Highly, highly <laughs> recommend. <laughs> but yes. so, you know, before we, we continue the ketone supplement conversation, we wanted to make sure our listeners are, you know, aware of the full picture here. Uh, based on what we know about the metabolic differences between endogenous and exogenous ketones, it's important to know, especially for people with insulin resistance, that just relying on ketone supplementation without the carbohydrate restriction part of it can be problematic, you know, because these supplements seem to suppress uh, fat burning and increase insulin. What would you say to someone who is insulin resistant and wants to, you know, start supplementing with some exogenous ketones? Mm, great question. Um, I have some thoughts on the lipolysis part. I, I oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. I, I want to, I definitely, because I know that's, oh, that's yeah, one of those things. Yeah. We can move on. Okay. Yeah. Well, with people who you're, you hit the nail on the head, people, if you're supplement, if people are supplementing with exogenous ketones, and this is the sad part about those keto scams, I've tried to be very outspoken about those pills. We've all seen them that say Shark Tank and Princess, whomever is taking them. The problem is they're very, very ineffective. And then they're just trying to make ridiculous claims. But people like that, like if you're just consuming exogenous ketones and you're still eating Big Macs and large fries and sodas, the results you're going to see is probably very minuscule, right? Absolutely. Very little. Um, ketones can result in changes in, in body composition, no doubt about it, without being on a ketogenic diet. Two very simple ways. One, exogenous ketones have been shown to increase brown fat, brown adipose tissue, which is very important for metabolism, thermogenesis, things like that. And two, probably the one that everyone would recognize is when you supplement with exogenous ketones, it impacts ghrelin. Um, inside of the brain. It's acting on certain neurotransmitters. So most of the people that I know that supplement with exogenous ketones, if they consume exogenous ketones in the morning, guess what? They're not eating lunch until two, three, four o'clock. Yeah. And so it, it's like helping them with their fast. It's a very low calorie load because ketones are a very small amount of calories. And so guess what? Instead of having a big lunch, it's just helping them fast longer. So they're eating less. So it's helping them through right. that process. That's really how that process works. Um, but with lipolysis, it's a it's the number one question probably I get all the time with exogenous ketones is, is if I consume exogenous ketones, won't that decrease endogenous production? Um, and for people that don't know, endogenous is our body. It's, it means inside. It's how our body makes ketones when we're on a ketogenic diet, when we're supplementing with like MCT oil, stuff like that. That's endogenous. Exogenous is supplementing with ketones. The answer is yes, with a caveat. Uh, from what we've done, and we talked, we had a whole section on this in the ketogenic Bible because I was very concerned about this as well. Being someone who's been on a ketogenic diet for probably close to a decade and, and supplementing with exogenous ketones for probably the last four years, I was like, damn, am I like kind of destroying what I'm trying to do with a ketogenic diet? The answer is it depends. So, for example, we've played around with a lot of different exogenous ketones, ketone esters, for example. Most ketone esters are like 30 mLs um, or 20 to 30 mLs, which is like 20 to 30 grams. When I take a ketone ester, my ketones skyrocket. Like I go to like three, four millimoles, like insane. At that level, you do see an increase in insulin, which eventually will bring down, will, will stop lipolysis and bring you down. What we've seen is anytime you go over like 3.5 to 4 millimoles, is when you get that little bump in insulin, when you get that uh, decrease in lipolysis. Anything underneath that, you don't see it. Um, and we've seen that over and over again in the literature. You won't see a decrease in lipolysis 
um, with even like, for example, with most exogenous ketone salts, you're going to get a bump of about one millimole, maybe 1.5 millimoles. So for someone like me, I tend to sit roughly around 0.8. So I might go up to yeah. 1.8, maybe two. It's not going to hinder or trigger a decrease in lipolysis or a bump in insulin. And just, we don't see yeah. that in the research. Yeah. I, 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 again, shout out to you because I'm totally remembering the book <laughs> and the 3.5 and you sharing the research that showed that how there is not, you know, cause there's that, okay, how is it lowering blood sugar? If we're ketones are going up, we're lowering blood sugar, but it's, it's, it's only when you hit that point, like you said, 3.5, that, that insulin's triggered. Um, and then at the same time, then there's the other part of it, which is like, you know, you talked about the esters versus the salts and like most of the salts are not going to increase ketones that much. But then that also brings into account the idea that, well, um, if we need a certain kind of, um, uh, a certain threshold of, of ketones circulating in our body are a lot of these salts, uh, even useful. And I think that's a perfect segue to this next question, because this is my favorite one. And I think this is the one that people have to take away from this conversation is most BHB is, is, is one formulation. It's the go BHB. It's what we see. Um, it's that mixture of the D and the L isomers, whereas endogenous BHB consists of just the D isomer. And really there's only one product that has only the D isomer and metabolically these two isomers are very different. And the published literature indicates that most of the energy and signaling benefits of BHB derive from the D form. So if the L isomers aren't metabolized via the same pathway, and it doesn't seem like humans can convert the L form to the D form, how would you say they differ in the benefits we can expect from having high amounts of ketones circulating in our bodies, especially with respect to, I would assume, you know, athletic performance and energy production that you would get from exogenous ketones? Amazing question. Um, and honestly, there, what we've seen is there seems to be like a sweet spot, right? Too little, like those keto scam pills. I'll give you a perfect yeah. example. Those keto scam pills that use GoBHB. For example, the serving size on those, I believe I've got people sending like them three to us or all four the time. Tops, right? Yeah, it's like it's like th well, it's it's three caps, but inside one serving is eight hundred milligrams of the mixed form. So you're actually only getting probably four hundred milligrams of active. And so I did a calculation on one of the videos that we did on the keto scam, and you would need to consume the entire bottle to really get an effective dose. Like that's how little. Is within that. Um, so it's just ridiculous. You, you wouldn't get anything taking a, a serving. So there is this sweet spot. And so just to clarify for people, because I, I like to use this representation as a difference between DNL. Imagine like this is what it means when there's isomers for people that are like, I don't know what D or L or R or S. D and R are the same exact thing. L and S are the same exact thing. So when you hear D or RBHB or you hear L or SBHB, those two are the same. These two are the same. Most of them, like the GoBHB, use a mix, potentially a 50-50 mix at best, where it's 50% D, 50% L. And what an isomer means, and they use the same thing with amino acids, um, is that it's just a mirror image of one another, right? I have two hands, but it's a mirror image of one another. I place it over top. It's not going to be the exact same, but they're a mirror image of one another. The same thing, that's what isomers are. They're mirror images of one another. The challenge is only only one of them is having an effect. And that's the D form. I've challenged my colleagues and, and from everything I've read in the literature, there's nothing to show that there's any metabolic effect whatsoever from the L. In fact, 
the only thing that you've seen published in the research is that L actually gets favored for for fat storage, right? Storage of, of fat. Um, so really, it could actually be doing more harm than good. And we have research, we have yet to publish it, that seems to indicate that the L is actually causing inhibition of the D. And I use the wow. example of explaining like a, a key in a lock, right? Imagine we all have keys to enter our home, right? Well, there's one key on your key ring that goes inside that lock and opens up the deadbolt. There might be some keys on your ring that go inside the lock, jiggle around a little bit, but it doesn't open it up. The D form is that one that goes inside the lock and opens up the deadbolt. But guess what? When you have an L, imagine it's one of those other keys that's sitting inside the lock, but it's not opening up the door. Well, when D comes around to go open up and get inside that cell, it can't. There's inhibition. There's already a key in there that's blocking it from being able to be utilized. So what we see is like when you give the D form, say, for example, you give five grams of DBHB, you get a spike. If you were to give 10 grams of DLBHB, you would expect that that spike would be half as good, right? Because you're getting 50% of the D. We actually see it somewhere around 30 to 40%. Wow. So there's likely some inhibition going on, which is what drives me crazy about these companies that are using the mixed isomer. Well, I have to add something yeah, to that because um, absolutely right. Um, first of all, if you want to get any type of therapeutic effect, considering what you just said with 30%, like it gets to a point where taste and the ability of our bodies to handle like the um, the mineral load because of what these mm -hmm. things are are attached to, it becomes very, very hard to deal with. Um, and I, I think since we're having this conversation, I just I don't want to spring this on you, but I, I, I definitely mm -hmm. wanted to see what your thoughts are. Some of these supplements and I forget which ones um, we've been hearing a lot about NAD, you know, people are, are supplementing NAD. They're loving it. You know, glutathione, NAD, both of them. Um, and some of them seem to lower NAD. And, and does that have anything to do with uh, the, the, the BHB versus gold BHB or the salts versus the esters, which are the ones that we're, you know, for anybody who's, who's interested in that. Yeah, honestly, I think that's contributed to the L component. I think okay, the mixed so isomer is what's bringing that down. When you see, when you see people who are on a ketogenic diet, you see NAD levels go up, right? If they're on a well-formulated ketogenic diet, guess what they're producing in, in, endogenously is the DBHB. Um, so if you're chasing that outcome, then theoretically the D is what would increase it. So, so L for anybody who has issues with their, their concern about, you know, antioxidants and, and all that stuff. At the very least, if you're gonna take the DL because you want to, you want to maybe save some money because I, I guess they're they are cheaper. Right. You're gonna replace that with NAD supplementation because, you know, you got to add that back in. Right, and someone and the people say this all the time. I I say if you're taking a DL salt, you would at, you would need to take at minimum two and a half times the dose of a regular D because you have that inhibition. And with that, like you said, comes the salt load. And the problem with a lot of these, um, because everyone is so afraid of salt, most people do not know how to formulate. So most of the exogenous ketones that are out there are really high because the way exogenous ketone salts work is they have to be attached to one of three minerals sodium, calcium, or magnesium. So a lot of these companies just jumped on the bandwagon and said, oh, I want to get into the exogenous ketone space. Oh, salt, we can't put that much salt on our label. So what do they do? They, they load it up with salts that are high in calcium and magnesium. Um, so which 
is not good when you're having a ton of calcium. Um, So the formulation becomes very, very specific. And then on top of that, when you have to take two and a half times the amount and you're getting in that much calcium, and if if it's paired with that much magnesium, you better have like 18 (laughs) rolls of toilet paper. I know, that's what I was thinking. I was like, uh, pretty sure you'll just be in the bathroom. Good thing they're not putting, I mean, they're smarter than that, but you know, you, you load up on potassium too. And that's, that's a, that's a heart attack waiting to happen, oh, you know, oh, hyperkalemia. Yeah. 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 Yep. Goodness. Well, so you, you and Josh Perry, you guys went to Dr. Amon's clinic, which is amazing. And I'm so jealous. I need to go. <laughs> yeah. We're... But it's, you know what the work he's doing, it's just, it's needed, you know, it's just incredible what he's doing there. Um, and you know, we're huge fans, but you know, cognitive function is a major area of interest for us. Can you talk about, you know, what you guys did when you were there uh, and talk about how exogenous ketones may help those with compromised ability to create ketones naturally. I'm specifically interested too, if you want to, you know, comment on like, for me, what was so interesting was the fact that, you know, with his brain scans, that his uh, AD, his ADHD pretty much went away, but he didn't ever feel that like high, not a high. Cause it's not like a high. It's that cognitive boost. Like Danny feels that all the time with ketones. I'm like, no, nope, not me. Like with, with, with esters. I don't feel it with none. <laughs> I just feel maybe more balanced, which is so interesting. So yeah, if you could speak on that a little bit, I think that would be interesting. Yeah. So we went to his clinic uh, and I wanted to test. I'm like, listen, if I want to see what's going on, what it's doing yeah. to the brain. Um, and they had no idea. They're like, they were very, they did not think they were going to see anything. They're like, listen, we have people that come in, get a brain scan, and then they have to do something for like eight weeks or 10 weeks at minimum. And then they come back. And I was like, well, I was like, I just want to see. They're like, wow. we're telling you, you're not going to see anything. So we did it. We did a scan on, on Monday. Then uh, on Wednesday, we came back in, literally drank exogenous ketones right. 30 minutes before the scan. And then retested, went through everything. And for me, what was what was interesting is I do get it like a feeling yeah. of like more focus when I take exogenous ketones. But for me, like what they noted in my brain was on Monday, it was just like, and this is just me being entrepreneur, going around yeah. all the time. My brain's just like very busy. Like it's 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 it has very uh, a lot of difficulty like being present, focus all the mm-hmm. time. And on the second day when they did my brain scan after consuming the exogenous ketones, he found it was like more stabilized. Like I wasn't all over the place. I I did like target tracking and I was able to hit more targets. I was able to see more circular motion, stuff like that. I was just more like calm and focused, which was really, really interesting. That's super cool. So so um, they don't have really, um, they're measuring like activity. They're not looking at GABA and blood flow they're not looking at gaba and um and what's the other one the excitatory um glutamate they're not looking at Mm -hmm. that but it's probably i mean is that is that probably the mechanism of action like increase gaba decrease right or decrease glutamate likely yeah like we know that ketones rapidly get taken up by the brain um the question is just uh how are they working that's what we think right now based on especially the studies that we're starting to see in individuals with traumatic brain injury. Like that's a very interesting, that's a focus for us is looking at that. I'm actually sitting on a dissertation board for a student who's about to do his dissertation on solely use of exogenous ketones in post-concussive syndrome uh, and just see what happens. Yeah, because I mean, you know, it would seem that the, you know, the main effect is is the anti-inflammatory effect, right? With those those plaques. And, and then there's 
sometimes energy is an issue. Right, energy too, right? Yeah, like yeah, like not being able to take up glucose. And then there's the other part would be the GABA slash glutamate piece, which is like a hormonal thing, which I haven't seen anything, but I, that's what we're told. And that's why we're like, you know, we try to like use this with, with our youngest. You hit the nail on the head because like what happens in concussions or traumatic brain injury, trauma, whether it's a big trauma or micro trauma, uh, it happens a lot more than oh, people yeah. think about. Um, that trauma creates a disturbance in the brain where there's an imbalance. And that imbalance also it's, it's very, very similar of what we see in Alzheimer's. Um, when you look at an Alzheimer's brain, you look at someone who has severe traumatic brain injury side by side, most doctors likely wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Um, there's insulin resistance going on. And, and what are these athletes or these individuals, people in our military, what do they do? They're slugging down Gatorade or this oh or goodness. that and things that are full of sugar. But guess, yeah, it's, it's what we call starvation in the face of plenty. You have plenty of fuel, but your brain's still starving because it can't get there. But ketone receptors, and actually there are studies in animals, which is, it's fascinating how amazing our body is. Um, after they do these models, which are kind of brutal in animals, but they basically wow. take them to it, to induce a traumatic brain injury. They basically like drop a weight on their head. Um, oh my gosh. And, don't, don't and, tell me that. Like, I don't want to be the guy in the lab. Do not want to be a part of that. <laughs> it's tough, but, but they look tough. at it and. And what they look at inside of the brain is after, after they experience that trauma, the receptors, MCT, trans, MCT transporters, uh, which are transporters that take up and utilize ketones, are significantly elevated right after that trauma. So our body goes, hey, something's going wrong. There's an energy imbalance in my brain. They upregulate the tunnels or the transporters to uptake ketones. And most people go over and slug down glucose when your body's saying and starving, hey, I need ketones to feel the brain and help have a protective effect. Yeah, like we just cleared the path for you, man. Like, what wow. are you doing? Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's okay. that's brutal. Now, this is a this one is really interesting for me. There's like this question has so many parts to it that like I couldn't even include, but I, I included a few parts. So hopefully you can help clear this up for me. So. I was, I loved this study and, you know, uh, we were both at, um, the 2019 metabolic health summit when Dr. Ludwig spoke about this study, the, the one, um, where, uh, the B, the BMJ one, the, the one that he published in 2018, November, 2018, where he, they showed that with every 10% reduction in carbohydrate intake, there was an increase in caloric expenditure of about 52 calories. And, you know, you spoke about the brown fat, brown adipose tissue. That's part of it, you know, and um, and then Dr. Bickman has done amazing work on showing like what ketone, what ketones do, how they act in the fat cell where it's like you're in park and you're hitting the gas and you're just like the amount you're of energy ready. going in is nowhere near the amount of energy going out, which is which is right. awesome. Um, but then this is the part that I'm just like, OK, how does that fit in with what we know about, like the thermic effect of protein, which is highest and then um, carbs are a little bit lower, but still higher than fat. Fat is lowest. So you have this on one hand, brown adipose tissue is generating more heat. On the other hand, you have protein and carbs generate more heat than fat when you consume them. So, you know, based on that, if, if protein's highest, carbs are in the middle and fat is last, how do exogenous ketones per, uh, perform in this area, given the fact that they sometimes suppress lipolysis. You answered that pretty much already. Um, but like, is it just that 
the 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 heat generated by you know being in ketosis is greater than the heat produced from eating carbs that would basically undo that advantage that carbs and protein would have over burning fat. Does that make sense? Right. No, you're you're spot on. Um, and that's part of it. And one of the things about ketones is when you look at calories per gram, like they act more like carbohydrates and they do fats. Most people think they're fats because they're like similar, like in the fat realm, but they're about 5.4 to 5.6 calories per gram um, is ketones. Part of that is because they're thermogenically active. Um, so there's a couple different ways. One, like I mentioned, it could be because of the brown increase in brown fat, right? One of the things that we know about ketones is they feed the mitochondria. Yeah. You look at studies, there, there have been multiple studies, infusion and oral gavage studies in animals where they've given uh, this and they've looked at mitochondrial expression, things jumps to the roof. Uh, so not only repairing mitochondria, but actually increasing something known as mitochondrial biogenesis, the formation of new mitochondria, that alone is going to ramp up your metabolism when you have more mitochondria. Some people, like there's a lot of people who are now talking about the importance of mitochondrial health. It's really kind of one of the, the reasons why people start to have disease and decay is because their mitochondria start dying off and the factory or the machinery that is basically fueling our bodies isn't working right. Uh, so we need to make sure that that's optimized. So that's one way. Uh, the other way is like we talked about earlier with muscle, like helping, helping spare and keep muscle tissue we know is, is very thermically beneficial. Um, for our body composition and overall. So I think it's a combination of different things. Um, one of the studies that we're about to start, hopefully in December, or maybe maybe December, but hopefully earlier, um, is we're actually going to give three doses of exogenous ketones. And we're going to look at safety to see how high we can go without any negative uh, impacts. And I think three would be fine for most people that are active. But uh, we're also going to look at something known as NEAT um, and be able to track people's NEAT because I think that's something that goes up as well. Non-spontaneous movement, right? People, when they feel better, they have a better mood. They're having more fuel to their brain. They're going to move more, right? Yeah, they're going to go outside for a walk. Naturally, they're going to move more. So I think all of those pieces are contributions to what you're talking about. That makes a ton yeah. of sense. Like, first of all, how, remember when we first started, like in 2016, we would like park further from like from the store because we feel we felt Those like are the good days like, kind of, I feel like you gotta get <laughs> it was so to it new. or something then you get like more like you're you like I need more you know like, yeah well, of course like you're just used to feeling good now so you're like now I need like ultra like yeah, limitless like our new normal yes. is like where we just the gotta, new normal is amazing and but yeah like I remember that that was amazing That's and then amazing. like uh, you know the other part that I just like was thinking about as you were talking is like you know you can have someone come on here at the same time of, uh, as us and debate us about this whole situation, talk about like, you know, caloric restriction and all that other stuff. But when you put like a two column thing and you put what happens to our mitochondria, what happens yeah. to this, what happens, there's such an overwhelmingly abundant, like or, or advantage to being in a ketotic state versus just restricting calories and, and, you know, eating a, whatever you want to call it, a balanced diet or, you know, whatever <laughs> right. it, it's right. just, just overwhelmingly right. like just like calories and calories out. Yeah. We're going to be vindicated. You're going to be vindicated over time. I know over it. Time. Yeah. Uh, I, I know. And we all get, a, we all get a lot of hate for that, right? There's people that are big on like the, Hey, if it fits your macros or, Hey, if you just keep it in this 
calorie load. And like yeah, on paper, yeah, that sounds great. But the reality of the world is that what's always on paper isn't reality. Um, right. And so like, that's why when you see these studies that give people free reign to kind of eat whatever they want, guess what? When they're on a ketogenic diet, they naturally tend to eat less. Yeah. When they're in a ketotic state, they naturally tend to eat less. Right. Like there's no debunking that. So yes, I can say, Hey, if you, if it fits your macros, it's okay to have a pop tart or cupcakes, yeah, That's sure. great, but it, it doesn't take into reality. Like me, for example, I'll be the first one. You give me one Oreo. I promise you, I'm not stopping at one. Like I'm Same. eating the sleep. Like, yeah. like it, yeah. it does, it doesn't take into account that aspect of like, Oh, if it, if it fits in, I can have this. There's a psychology component of what they're missing. 100%. And when it comes to that, like as someone who's tried those diets, I, I've, and I have, honestly, for me, it comes people who are successful on those diets, to me, it comes down to willpower, you have very strong willpower, because sure. I've been successful on those diets. And so like you, unlike you and Danny, who <laughs> you guys can't eat one Oreo, you eat the sleeve, I can eat one, but guess what's the difference? I'm gonna suffer. I'm still suffering. Yep. So that's where it's like, yeah, I still lost weight doing it if it's your macros, but I suffered a whole lot doing it. Whereas right. in a keto with a ketogenic diet, I don't feel that way at all. I'm satiated when I eat my meals and I feel like there's very little suffering so much so that, well, back to that whole, like amazing feeling. I was just thinking that like now that'll happen to me when I like do like a fast or something. So like, if I do an extended fast, I get that, I get real calm. Like I feel really amazing. And I feel like I wouldn't even be able to do that if I was eating carbs. Like I would not even be able to fast because that hunger, it's like deep. Like, you know that deep yeah, hunger you're like yeah. eating your rice and you're just like what's my next meal guys? yeah you're already, you're already thinking about it you're like oh gosh that's right you know? so well yeah. and the other thing is like you know it, it, it always focuses on weight loss and we don't talk about yeah. like brain health brain and health. heart yeah. health and all this other yeah, stuff I'm sleep, but i'm depressed like yeah. Okay. like yeah if you're gonna, if you're gonna <laughs> my hormones are jacked <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm you sleeping. look you know your skin's kind of different yeah. and it's funny because you that's really where they want to frame it they want to keep the conversation just there yeah. and it again it's just not it doesn't even compare so yeah so um well one claim about exogenous ketones is that you know they help people who are just starting out um a ketogenic diet experience like those that, that feeling we're talking about you know the the ketosis way before they're they're actually adapted um and another would be that they help they help people who indulge in carbs uh, and want to get back into ketosis quicker. So do you think that exogenous ketones can help or, or hinder us from becoming keto adapted? And what would you say to someone who wants to use them for, you know, these reasons? I think it can. Uh, I'm on the camp of, I think it can help people adapt uh, for a multitude of reasons. One is it's allowing people to kind of get the first steps of like feeling what ketosis is like as they're making that transition. Two is as providing electrolytes, which we know is super important during that adaptation oh, period yeah, sure. um, So uh, during that time. And really, if you look at, I've talked a lot about the keto flu and keto adaptation, a lot of it we know is a depletion of electrolytes, right? When you're lowering carbohydrate intake, you're excreting out a lot more electrolytes, you need to get them back in. But it's also a transfer of fuel sources. You're taking someone who's been primarily reliant on carbohydrates and glucose for who knows, 20, 40, 60 years. And then you're trying to get them over to being primarily reliant on fat and ketones. There is that point in the middle where you're kind of sitting on the fence, so to speak to you. Like you're yeah. like, yeah. I'm yeah. kind of depleted. Lag. I'm kind of not there. That's where like, cool, you need to have a fuel source. I don't think unless you're going like high ester, high, high, high amount of like 
taking like four packets of ketone salts. Like if you're going that high, yes, it will probably hinder that lipolysis. But if you're just supplementing in that ideal yeah. range, it can help you kind of overcome that, I think, and help you get over on the other side of the fence. You, you, yeah, that's I a really agree. good point because it's just, it's a Honestly, usable exogenous that supplement that, you know, while you're getting fat adapted, you know, it's the worst, you know, like in the beginning, you, 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 you you're taking out these carbs and it doesn't that's what just I'm saying. it could have uh, helped me remember how bad I was. Oh my gosh. I think another one that I've spoken about too, is, is you can for that person who, who wants to, um, who wants to use something exogenous that, that can, that their body could automatically use because it's not going to trigger insulin. It's not going to increase blood sugar and it should be able to be used based on the, on the stuff, on the literature. Um, so here's another one. Um, this is another great one that I love is, um, that claim that you, you've spoken about this. Uh, I think we kind of talked about it before, but you know, we, we hear that exogenous ketones may reduce our body's natural ability to produce ketones. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember reading, uh, that when we ingest exogenous ketones, we see that that rapid spike in circulating BHB, and then that's followed by a drop that's probably lower than baseline. But then within several hours, our bodies ramp up ketone production again, and they rise up above baseline. So what information do you have on the one acute? And then of course, second, the long-term effects of supplementing exogenous ketones with respect to endogenous ketone production. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, the one thing I talk to a lot of people about, and this is something for people who are big on chasing ketones. I think it's super important for us to keep in context of, we always want to be better ketone users than necessarily ketone makers, right? Like we want to be able to produce ketones at a high level. And like I said earlier, like, unless you're having the ketone esters are a very, very high amount, you're likely not going to get that super big suppression in lipolysis that lasts a very long time. Um, you might get something acutely, but it's going to rebound, kind of like you said, very, very quickly. Uh, overall, the point of our bodies, like me, like I've been, like I said, I've been on a ketogenic diet for nearly 10 years. It's very, unless I do an extended fast, like very, very long, I'm rarely over 1.0 without exogenous ketone supplementation. Yeah. Does that does that mean? The person who's sitting at 2.0 is better. It could, yeah. it could actually mean the opposite. It could mean yeah. that like their body isn't utilizing them as well as ours, ours use them. You know what I mean? Like we want to be able to have more MCT2 transporters to take up and utilize ketones. So that way it can get to our heart, our brain, our skeletal muscle places that ketones are utilized at a rapid rate. So I don't think that that that's a a good claim of like, oh, it's just going to cause you to, to decrease endogenous. We don't see that from the, the literature. And two, if anything, what we see is that it helps upregulate and allow you to be a better ketone user because it's upregulating those transporters in order to take it into tissue. Yeah. So like, like just like with exercise and just like with, you know, extended, you know, several months already of, of until you get to a certain point where it goes the opposite way, but you know, exercise increases MCT transporters. This was something that I, I learned with when I did my first, I, I waited almost eight or nine months before I tried exogenous ketones. And I saw, started to see like, after I got off that my ketone numbers were higher. Um, and I, we, we spoke about this before I was like, do you think it, that it's, you know, it's probably an increase in MCT transporters. Um, but it's crazy how you mentioned this whole thing about like being, you know, it's kind of like that, the same thing with like free testosterone versus total testosterone. Like who cares if you're like at a thousand, if your free test is like 30, you know, exactly. and, and I remember that first year, man, it was like, 
I, I remember you're I, like my ketones are 5.0 i'm like you chugged bacon grease yeah like i was eating high fat <laughs> i'm like you literally ate one cup of there water. was one time I that i tested you. remember when i tested and so it yeah said you high? made a lot of ke- yeah high, i was like high. what's high i was like i had to look it up right. online and that was like above 8.0 yeah. and then i tested again and it was like you know seven point something but didn't it's just mean energy. Well, think about it. It's just energy. It's extra energy. You're not right. using that energy. Of course, you literally had, you know, let's say fat bombs. grams of fat or something. Right. Yeah. They look like cute little fat bombs, but he doesn't remember what it looked like in, in, the, in, in the, the measuring, measuring glass. It's like about a <laughs> cup of oil. Okay? You know, now it's cute <laughs> right. little chocolate. Like you ate the whole batch, but it's like, it's basically a cup of grease. Yeah, I just so. love that, that Dom has been doing <laughs> stuff with that. He's done a few things lately where he's eating like that. 500 grams of fat. Yeah. Your ketones uh, are super high. Yeah. Because you made a lot of ketones and then vice versa on the other side, you know, and this is where it's like, don't get discouraged and like testing and your ketone numbers. It's not everything because right on the other end, there's me who runs very low ketones a lot of the time, uh, which was very, you know, which is, was a bummer for me. So I was like, forget this. I'm but not you're a fat burning machine. Right. Exactly. And I realized th- that was super eye opening for me when we started testing breath because my breath would be like off the chart, super high. And then my blood ketones are low. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense because I'm usually in a deficit. I work out like crazy and I'm probably using a lot of the ketones that I'm making and I'm not having this like excess, like, you know. Uh, right. Flow I still don't understand that because for, for like over a year and then you told me when we were in Puerto Rico, I was like, He's, you were like, no, 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 that's not it. I was like, oh my gosh, I had this all wrong for like over a year. Where basically <laughs> we were talking about how, you know, oh, like the breath. Yeah. The breath is not. So do you think it doesn't have to do with it? It's not necessarily that like the breath, like, you know, my thoughts were based on what I had learned was that, okay, if uh, my blood ketones are high, but my breath is low, then maybe I'm not using them as much. But if my breath ketones are high, that that's a good indicator because the way I understood it at the time was that right, breath was, acetone, you know, right. acetone is, is showing us all that was used. And then, you know, I still don't quite understand yeah, that. I still don't totally understand it, but I don't know if yeah, anything you can mention that, that part, like you can, you know, definitely provide some clarity. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because a lot of it's just the validity of the devices. I think there's been some that have come out more recently that are a lot better. Um, but theoretically acetone is expelling out or the breath meters are, are measuring acetone, which expelling out should be correlated to the amount of fat oxidation going on inside of your body. Um, so before I'd say probably two years ago, three years ago, the meters were wonky. Like you could, depending yeah. upon how you, your breath was, if you blew hard, if like you barely put anything into it, it just was all over the place. Now I think they're getting a little bit more accurate. I would love to see more correlation to blood levels, but um, it's still kind of a challenge. And, and like you mentioned earlier, I think the most important thing, and this is something I'm waiting for, and I know you guys would love this too, is I, you see a lot of people now that are wearing the continuous glucose monitors. Yes. Um, I'm waiting for the day they come out with a continuous keto monitor because yeah, I be think amazing. the key, I think it would blow the keto world's mind of how often throughout the day they are yeah, like it's low. different. Uh, like 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 uh, the first time I, my hands used to be so bruised because I used to like test like every five seconds because I was <laughs> I was fascinated by it. But yeah. people don't people don't realize like immediately like say I go crush like tomorrow I'm gonna hit legs right like right. say I go do a leg workout immediately if I like get done with my last set drip and sweat and I go to like measure my ketones will actually likely be super low. 
like yeah, super low. really low. Cause guess what? They just, they just fuel that workout. Like it's yeah. fuel. Whereas like an endurance athlete, if they're going on a long run, they might be super high and yeah. people would, people would get discouraged. Like you say, like, Oh, I just did a workout. I tested and I'm at point three. What the heck's going on? Like I'm done with this. Don't get discouraged. You're, yeah. you're probably utilizing it. You're taking it up into tissue. That's good. That's a good. Yeah. Thing. Well, by the way, before you answer that, ask that question, yeah. we have a mutual friend, our buddy, uh, we won't mention it just in case it's not, but we have a mutual friend that's working on uh, a continuous ketone monitor. So hopefully I know I would love the to next see, year, see that. I would be down. That'll be up. Yeah. yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. So, well, we have some listener questions and I actually see, uh, I saw one question in the chat. So maybe we'll, if we have time at the end, we can definitely get to those questions. So here's a question from Christy. I'm especially interested in the topic of exogenous ketones because there's a ton of misinformation and bad marketing out there. I don't blame her. Of course, this, you know, people mm-hmm. are always going to do this. They're always going to capitalize on what's hot. Uh, I did quite a bit of research on the use of exogenous ketones uh, for athletics. And most of the research is done in aerobic endurance exercise. A systematic review by Mark Willis and O'Fallon showed that there really didn't seem to be much benefit to exogenous ketones use in cycling and running type sports. I have yet to see a lot of research in other areas, but what do you think would be a sport or type of athlete that could benefit from exogenous ketones? And why? Yeah, honest. So this is a perfect example of studies that, and Jacob did a presentation for this. Um, I think he actually might talk about it at the Global Virtual Keto Summit. Um, but he 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 talks about this a lot. This is the importance of the difference between DL and D. So uh, Dr. Richard Beach, um, who he unfortunately passed away recently, he was doing a lot of the work with ketone esters, the D form of ketone esters. A lot of his, I mean, he was doing this before ketones were cool. Like he was looking, his first study ever was looking at ketones and how they could help a perfused heart inside of rats. Like how could, and now it's actually being used and looked at for like heart attacks and stuff like that. Like really, really neat stuff. But his, a lot of his work and his ester that he was using was studied in uh, elite cyclists and they saw improvements in performance. Like there was probably, I think it was, I think it was like 2008 or maybe it was 2018, but it was that cycling team from the UK. And there was all media around it of like, what the hell are they using? What's going on? And they were using the ester and they still to this day utilize it and they dominate, like absolutely dominate. They're the number one cycling team in the world and they're using the D form, but there are studies there's, I think I know at least of two that have looked at cycling performance, utilizing a commercially available DL salt and saw no improvement in performance, um, none whatsoever, because you're likely not hitting that threshold. You're likely having impaired adaptations with the L form. Um, Dr. Uh, Volick, Dr. Jeff Volick published a study on cycling, um, and he actually saw improvements in cycling performance. That was, that was ketones plus caffeine, right? It was, it, yeah, it was, it was ketones and caffeine, but yeah. we, we broke it down. The like people ripped them apart for that study and was like, oh, it's just the caffeine that had the effect. We, we looked at it, Jacob and I looked at it, the marginal improvement of studies looking at cycling performance and caffeine is like this, right? A li- you, get a, you definitely get a performance benefit. He saw this improvement. So it wasn't just the caffeine. The improvements that he saw were far better than any study that just looked at caffeine alone. So it shows you that there's a benefit to the ketones. Yeah, I love that. I don't know why that study, that one was like end of 2016, maybe sometime yep. in 2017. And I don't know why people haven't spoken about that one more because that that's a perfect example there. We just, we need more people. The, the thing is like, 
It's like what the media chooses to cover. Cover. They right. only gonna. It's the same thing. What does the science community choose to study? You right, know. Right. Exactly. You know, the fundamental. Exactly right. So, all right. Here's another listener question from Trevor. Uh, first one. He has two. I'll, I'll ask the first one. He's like, I've heard exogenous ketones are not good while fasting for weight loss or autophagy. Uh, we talked about weight loss already, so let's forget about that one. But fasting and autophagy, that's a really good, yeah, one. That's a good one. This seems like the main reason why people start to take them. Can you guys discuss your thoughts on it? Yeah, really an interesting question. And uh, our friend Mike uh, Mutzel does this, kind of talks a lot about autophagy. He's like the expert on autophagy. But I think people get hung up on autophagy from like, I need to fast 18 days in order to get autophagy. Like, trust me, go do go do a Wingate or go do sprints. You're going to get more autophagy with that than you will get in 60 hours of fasting or 50 hours of fasting. Like the thing that they can help, um, certainly I don't think – I have a very different opinion than most people on what breaks a fast. Um, there was actually a study done early on in the 70s where they infused fat, just straight fat. Oh, I love that one. And, yeah. and they, they looked at people, compared them to people who were just dry fasting, no differences in insulin, no differences in ketones, no differences in their response. Wow. So the, the metabolic response to fasting isn't driven necessarily by calories, but more by the insulin load and the carbohydrate and glucose load that ultimately blunts lipolysis. So if you're having ketones, as long as there's not fillers like maltodextrin or some other things in there, like you're probably fine. You wouldn't negate that response by any means. And theoretically, it would allow that person to achieve a longer fast, which would upregulate its autophagy longer, right? They'd go a longer period before they go and eat their lunch or dinner. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Sense. And I'll just say like, you know, most people, I know that there are a lot of us who are really focused on brain health and managing something or, uh, but most of us are not. Most of us are right. fasting because we want to burn more fat. We want to lower insulin. So Man, you know, if that's okay. why you're doing it, have at it with that fatty coffee, you know, go for <laughs> it. Right. I actually do it for the brain thing. Oh yeah. I'm like, for once I'm calm <laughs> when I fast. I'm of like, course. oh my gosh, is this what it feels like to be normal? <laughs> honestly me too like i i feel like i feel best in the morning like i literally tell my team like the morning is like my crunch time and i feel yeah if i eat breakfast like i I eat breakfast every saturday saturday is like my day to like enjoy my like breakfasting but i don't get any work like there's no shot (laughs) that i'm gonna eat breakfast and then go be productive it's like no shot Yep. Oh man, I'm just like you, Ryan. Like, and it's so hard for me because sometimes, like, my kids, I have to make them breakfast. And like, the worst <laughs> wow. thing ever is when you're trying Smelling to fast, bacon. or like, they hand me like they're like, I'm done, and it's like an unfinished, <laughs> perfectly cooked piece of bacon. And I'm like, like I just, uh. I'm just trying to fast so I can focus on anything, you know. Keep it, and there's been, there. and let me tell you, I because I am a grazer, so let me tell you, you can't even take a bite. I did a, like, yeah. I'll do a bite sometimes. And I'm like, that's it. Like, that's it. You totally ruin it. Like, and it's true. I can't focus. Like when I eat breakfast, I'm so sluggish. Like I'll get nothing done. Same. I have to. Um, all right. So we have another question from Trevor, but you know what? It, it's, it's perfect. Cause it kind of goes with another question that we have here. So he also asks uh, that he heard exogenous ketones are great. First thing in the morning, uh, you know, before a fasted workout. And then he says, any other applications that excel, which is great. Cause Giovanna in the chat here on Facebook also asked, you know, what, in what, you know, what conditions, like, would it be appropriate to use exogenous ketones, like any other applications like that? Great question. Um, honestly, I like, I look at them as a tool, right? They're a tool in the toolbox. It's not a complete replacement of I'm going to go eat 
18 Big Macs and supplement with exogenous ketones. It's not the intent. You're, you're going to just waste money. Um, but they're a tool. And so for me, for example, I'll give you my routine is like I usually wake up in the morning. I'll have, I actually use electrolytes and exogenous ketones. I combine the two because I, I like my body craves salt. Like I me need too. a ton of it. Um, so, so I have both of them together and then I'll go crush a workout. Typically I'll do the caffeinated ketones in the morning. Um, and then if I'm having like a long day, I usually do like a pick me up, um, somewhere around like this time, like one, two o'clock. Um, I'll usually do an uncaffeinated version or else I won't be able to sleep because I'm just super sensitive to caffeine. Same. I do an, I do an uncaffeinated one in, in the early, early afternoon. And like that, that usually gets me through to dinner. Like, uh, so that way I'm like laser focused. If I have meetings at three or four o'clock, usually I'm kind of like coming down by then. Cause I've been cranking since five o'clock in the morning. That's like my pick me up, uh, sort of thing. So it really just depends on your day, your application. But for me, I use it a lot more for like getting a good workout in the gym and then the mental focus and the clarity. Okay. I, I want to be selfish now. Oh, I was going to ask something about my kids. Well, before you ask, let me be, can I be selfish? Sure. Cause we're on this topic. So we're on this topic. I do the same thing. I huge shout out to Redmond. Redmond has the relight, um, powder now So wait, you mix the electrolytes with the ketones. Oh yeah. Okay. I need to do that guys, because let me tell you the salt thing is real. Like today I forgot my little mini Redmond thing and I forgot the ketones also. So I just had plain water and I was just like, you know, when you're just like, I need salt so yeah. bad. Like, yes. it's just like I was missing. Yeah. It. And that, that, then the problem is that if those muscles are not well hydrated, it's going to be more likely that you can tear something or <clears throat> strain something. Yeah. That's not good. I do what you do, man. I love the exogenous ketones with caffeine in combination with like this relight powder, which is perfect. A thousand, it's a gram of sodium, 500 of potassium. And then I forget how is much. Is that by weight though? Like, should I not do that much or is that fine? I don't, know. I don't think I it's no bad. <laughs> yeah. But like what I was going to ask is, um, you know, I'm doing a cut, right? So we want to get like beach ready. We got this thing in Tulum in August and we want to, there's a, a photographer coming and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, it might be helpful to do like, one meal a day, one meal a day when I get to the point where my calories are really low. And so, um, what do you think about doing what you said? Like the exogenous ketones with caffeine in the morning train. Um, and then, uh, and, and of course the electrolytes, and then maybe later in the day, throwing back some, a little bit of, uh, exogenous ketones without caffeine and maybe a little bit of extra leucine in there. And then, then eating a big dinner to get that satiety from that one big meal. I think it's a great, I think it's a great strategy. I, um, I love, and this is kind of how I approach my days is like, uh, I love calorie cycling. So like, there are some days like, like I do a fast from Sunday night to Monday night. Um, I just do a typical, and it's basically just a ketone supplemented fast. Um, and then I'll have my dinner Sunday or Monday night, but some days like during the week, I, very rarely have more than two meals. It's usually lunch and dinner. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just do dinner. Um, but then on the weekends, like when, or when I'm going to have like a really hard workout, I'll try and get three meals in that are a little bit higher in protein, maybe not as much fat really to get my calories back up. Um, because yeah. I know I'm going to burn through them anyway. So like, I just, I like this concept of calorie cycling where I'm not like just stuck at 1500 or 2000 calories. Sometimes I get them higher. Sometimes I don't. So it's just, I love the, I love the idea. And the I love it. The, the research bears it out, man. I, that's something that I do with my, with my clients. I love to do either if they're really lean, I'll do six days in a deficit one day in a, in a surplus, like anywhere from 25 to 33% higher. 
or um, if they're more uh, have more weight to lose, then I'll do like 11 days in a deficit and then three days in a in a smaller surplus. And that, of course, that has implications for for ghrelin that has implications for metabolism, you know, so that's the well, shout out to Ray Vega, Danny's dad, because he <laughs> well, first of all, he's watching. So I love it. He's got to give him a shout. What's out. up, pops? I love and it. And he is <laughs> shocked. She, he's shocked to find out that there's he's also very sensitive to ca- caffeine. So we're going to have to send him some decaf. decaf ketones. ketones. He yeah. calls it decaf ketones. I love it. <laughs> all right. That's what do you want to finish? Or you want to answer? Well, that? let's see. More questions. Uh, do you got maybe five, ten more minutes, brother? Let's roll. Awesome. All right. Yeah. These, we got just a few more questions. So the first one, someone is asking, can ketones be considered doping? That's a good question. That is a good question. A good I guess question. if you're going to be doing any of these sports that they're. Yeah. Cause caffeine stuff, is like you, maximum 500 yeah, milligrams. Even or caffeine, I know they regulate. So it's, it is a legit question. <laughs> it is legit. Um, they're not on the banned list. Uh, there's multiple athletes that are taking them all over. Um, so they're not on the banned list. You wouldn't pop for them. Um, as long as you're getting a reputable source, cause the problem is like, I especially get worried about those pills. Like you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know who's contacting them. I get contacted in emails. Like people think we're selling them. And I'm like, how did you even yeah. get my information? Like, That's what I'm it, saying. Why did they get my information? We must've gotten crazy. someone sold our stuff, dude. Yeah. Someone sold uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I feel terrible for these people because most of them are older people who are spending a good chunk of money, but like you have no, and people are always send me pictures on Instagram. They're always like, is this the one, like I saw your video on YouTube. Is this the one that is a problem? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, should I like, can I still take it? I'm like, if it was me, I wouldn't because like, I have no idea what's in it. I have no idea where it's coming from. Like that's the level of trust you need to have when you're putting something inside of your body. You should always have a level of like, what's in it. Where's it coming from? Is it legitimate? Is it science backed? Is there any research on it? These pills are just nonsense and they drive me crazy. But as long as it's legit, you wouldn't, uh, you won't have any issues. Okay. Now you can ask your, your kid's question. Oh, I was just going to ask, I guess, you know, for the kids, you know, for, um, like for like ADHD attention issues or even for mood stuff, like what do you suggest? Like, should they, I guess I don't know like the dosing. Or we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not recommending. We're yeah, we don't recommend about- it. Everybody has to talk to their pediatrician about this stuff. We yeah. we consulted ours, but um, yeah, gotta cover your cool. butt. And he's pretty cool. So he's awesome. He's, yeah. he's part of the tribe. But uh, but yeah, you know what? How, how can they help kids? You know, when it comes to this stuff, like can kids safely use these ketones? What do you guys have to say about this stuff? For sure, um, we're actually about to start a study in July, um, yeah. looking at kids and ketones. Um, I would say, obviously, obviously you have to consult with your doctor, um, but it would have to be on a, it's scaled down, right? Like we, there's a lot of people who I get reached out all the time, speak at events that people are using them with their kids, but they're giving them half the dose, um, right? They're not consuming a full packet or a full serving. They're consuming half the dose and they're just playing around with it. Like lightly introducing it to their kids, um, very similar in the morning. They're not giving it to them. And a lot of them aren't feeding their kids junk anyway, which hopefully people aren't doing, but uh, they're utilizing them for these reasons, like keep them focused on schoolwork, keep them like that way. So I'm excited to do that study. And and I hope we're able to get that published before the end of the year. Yeah. I'm excited to hear that there's going to be a study because that's what we need. We need some information and and stuff like that. And I, I totally make the kids gummies because that's a great way, Love it. you know, here and there, like here, have a gummy. (laughs) They love that stuff. I love it. Oh, Steven. Steven, Steven had a question about 
um, like uh, about carbs. Yeah. So like, you know how this is, I'm telling you, you guys are freaking prolific, man. And, and just like what you've even just even not even not only the 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 stuff that you've published, but just the the ideas that you and Sean and yeah. and 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 Jake and everybody have given me, like, for example, like, um, you know, taking berberine before a high carb meal, like taking some good berberine like that. Amazing. Right. Um, but I think that's what Stephen is referring to when he's talking about um, when's the best time to take exogenous ketones before a uh, carbohydrate meal or after right. a carbohydrate meal. I'm assuming he's saying that for the for the purposes of of lowering blood sugar and maybe undoing the effects of the carbs. Good question. Um, if you're going to have a carbohydrate meal and utilize exogenous ketones with them, I would recommend before, not after. Two reasons. One um, is ketones, they similarly, we've seen that they've kind of uh, decreased insulin, they decrease blood sugar. Some people think that was because of the increase in insulin. It's a lot of it could actually be due to increases AMPK, like berberine. Yeah, it, sure. it could yeah. work very, very similarly to that. And two, is theoretically, if you're having ketones, say 30 minutes before a high carb meal, you're likely going to eat less, right? You're going to be more satiated. You're going to be, instead of eating a whole bowl of pasta, you might only eat half of it. So like the metabolic load of that carbohydrate meal is going to be significantly less versus after you've already eaten it. Um, it's not really going to do much. So I would recommend before. So basically we're not, we're not advocating eating carbs if it's eating junk, but like if you were to eat carbs, right slamming back a gram of, of berberine with a, with a shot of ketones <laughs> might be the ticket. <laughs> That'll get you right back. Oh in. my God. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so, so we, we, well, do we have any more questions? We got Phil. Gotta love Phil. Shout out to Phil. He's out in Spain. Uh, he says that uh, you're amazing. What would you say to someone saying, I prefer to do one or two meals a day, use MCT and work out fasted to force my body to produce endogenous BHB than using these endogenous ketones. I get this question a lot and I'm a pharmacist. I'd have my answers, but catching your answer will be helpful. By the way, sending you much love from Madrid. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I uh, love that. Um, I think it's, I think, listen, everyone's has their strategies. The thing that we've seen uh, on MCT oil, I think MCT oil is great. I utilize it uh, occasionally. I utilize coconut oil. Um, but if you look at the data on MCT oil increasing ketones, legitimately, and this has been shown over and over again, in order for you to get a bump in ketones <laughs> of 0.3 to 0.5, you have to consume 40 grams or 40 milliliters of MCT. That screams disaster pants. Good luck. Pants. Good, luck. <laughs> Good luck with that, guys. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's brutal. You, you need a really, really high amount of MCTs to even get a bump uh, in ketones because of how slowly it's metabolized and converted over. So, I mean, I think M MCTs are great to incorporate into like your everyday diet, but if you're looking to get a bump in ketones, it's probably not the best source. hundred percent, man. Again, another awesome part. If you guys haven't read the ketogenic Bible, that is honestly the, go like, pick up the ketogenic the Bible. Yeah. I mean, cause this is all breaks it down every single part, what you talk about here. Um, do we have yeah. any more questions? Someone said a good berberine brand. I, I would say, um, maybe last question before we kind of get off is, uh, you know, there's, there's HCL and then there's the berberine. I don't know what the other one, but I'm, from what I understand, the, the berberine, pure berberine is what's going to allow you to eat that pop tart and, and, you know, <laughs> and not get the, the blood sugar response. So 
do you have any brands or 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 what people should be looking yeah, for when they like read the fine print on on a berberine supplement? Yeah, um, honestly, it's it's tough because berberine. They did a they actually did a study on berberine supplements, and like if you just go on Amazon and search berberine, there's a million that come up. Yeah. But they actually did a study on on berberine, and most of them, like they tested these capsules where they opened them up, poured them out, and looked at the actual amount of berberine, and most supplements test at 50 to 70%. So if it says 500 milligrams, you're getting 50 to 70% of that, which is ridiculous. It's a challenge in the supplement industry, but um, the, the one, I like the one that Sean formulated the IC5. Um, That one, that one's really solid. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, is that HCL or is that berberine? Uh, I think it might be. I think it might be. He has other things in there like chromium, cinnamon bark extract. Um, other brains of paradise. Lines. Yeah, they're other. They're they're working synergistically together. Okay. That's Sean Wells, guys. We'll put it in the chat. Yeah, the ingredientologist. Ingredientologist. If you want to look him up, he's he's the guy when it comes to formulations. This is awesome. Yeah, I Fun think. Times. I think that's it. Let me see. Of course, the other thing that you know, I mean, as if you haven't already told us what you're working on. There's like a lot, but I want to know. You got to, I guess you got to pick one. (laughs) Uh, What are you working on that people should be looking out for and where can people find you online? Yeah, for sure. Um, We're, we've been ramping up for this uh, global virtual keto summit. Um, Our team's been working real hard um, to get there. Tony's excited about Tony Robinson going to be speaking there, which is awesome. Um, You're leading a workout, which is going to be awesome. Um, We've been ramping up for that. We're actually in the process of revamping on ketodrink.com, something known as Keto Club, um, where if you guys have ever seen Masterclass, um, at, like I love Masterclasses and I was like, we have to be able to do this. Um, so we have our Keto Mastery Program, which is uh, a really extensive everything you need yeah, to know. Yeah, they gave me a also, little interview on that too. I was, I was yeah. a tiny little piece of that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And, but what we're building out on keto club is basically masterclass, but for keto. Um, and we'll have to do one with you as well of like basically taking a topic, like there's an entire keto class on what is protein and how to optimize it taught by Dr. Jacob Wilson with like, what is the difference between animal and plant-based proteins, amino acids, what that is. And so that's gonna, that's gonna be announced uh, at the event. Awesome, man. Amazing. And then uh, Ryan Plowery on Instagram. Ryan Plowery. Ryan, Ryan Plowery on Instagram. <laughs> Dr. Ryan Lowry on YouTube, Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much, man. This was awesome. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. guys we're going to take a minute right now to tell you about one of our amazing sponsors santa cruz medicinals santa cruz medicinals is a company that we've been using for years now they make high potency high quality lab tested cbd formulas at an affordable price they offer ketogenic paleo gluten-free sugar-free lab tested formulas you all may remember when we did our cannabis series last year one of the things we learned with cbd is that the research is pretty clear on dosage 5 to 20 grams per kilogram is what you should be taking per day and most of the quote-unquote CBD you see online and on Amazon is severely underdosed. Most of these products are offering dosages that are so low you'd have to down a bottle a day. <laughs> That's why we love Santa Cruz Medicinals because they offer highly dosed, potent CBD with clean ingredients and they have several cool products but we want to share our favorites with you. So what are your favorites, Milo? Um, All of them? <laughs> No, really. I have yet to try a product from them that I don't love. However, I will talk about some of my ride or die products. So during my cycle, I get horrible migraines, guys. 
and my go-to is definitely their peppermint tincture or the 10,000 um, milligrams to get a potent anti-inflammatory dose. Uh, peppermint has been shown in studies to relieve migraine pain. But let's talk about the pain salve real quick because this I use for almost everything. And everyone in this household agrees we cannot live without it. So the CBD pain salve, it has clean ingredients that you can trust, but it also has peppermint, which really, really helps. And so what I like to do is I'll rub some on my temples and it really provides instant relief for me when I have bad headaches. But of course, I'll use it as well for any muscle pain that I have. Well, I'm personally a huge fan of the 10,000 milligram bottles of CBD in MCT oil. I put it in my coffee and then again at night, I'll, I'll put some more in like some broth or whatever drink I'm drinking, a hot tea uh, to get an adequate dose for the day. I also love the pain salve, especially when I'm extra sore. We usually take turns massaging it onto each other and it always does the job. You guys also have to try the new CBD infused hemp and collagen protein. If you're a fan of horchata, you will love this one. Oh, that one is so good, guys. We just tried it and it is so good. Um, so yeah, if you're interested, check them out. You can find them at scmedicinals.com. And of course, don't forget to use the code FATFIELDMOM at checkout to save 15% on your order and get free shipping, guys.
Oh uh-huh. 